from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. You're going to wind back yes. all the advances they made this year in school. <laughs> Old shrimp in a cooler. If there's ever a tailgate <laughs> motto for Vegas, that's it right there. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. I might go with the shrimp in a cooler down in Tempe for the Arizona State UNLV game. I think that'll go well. It's not hot in Tempe this time of year, is it? I haven't checked the weather yet, so we'll see. Oh, I no, go Sun Devil State. Candy, I have to go back outside? I, I just did the last game in the comfort of 72 degrees. Now I got to go back to my old fat, sweaty ways on the sidelines. I've probably covered more games in Sun Devil Stadium than any stadium in America. Is that right? And to you, sir, yes. I say... Good luck. Good luck. Yeah, I, uh, I, I won't, I won't perish. I mean, I'll, I'll just sweat a lot. It's just, it's just not. Luckily, it's just a radio sideline gig. If I was, if it was TV, oh boy, it's a nightmare. Uh, same day this Saturday, Q Myers meet and greet. You can go see Q at Ford Country. That's on uh, North Gibson, two eighty North Gibson and Henderson. And meet Raiders running back Josh Jacobs. So it's not just Q. You can go meet, greet Josh Jacobs. They would love you to uh, donate some food items. Go to lvsportsnetwork.com for details. But, yeah, in Henderson this Saturday, Q Myers, along with the Raiders running back Josh Jacobs. That is at Ford Country. Uh, That's from 3 to 4.30. 3 to 4.30. Big five time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. This was a hell of a soundbite that Candy pointed us to. I'm going to play it here in a second, but tell the audience who Shelby Rogers is. Shelby Rogers is an American woman tennis player who had one of the biggest upsets of the U.S. Open before falling in the next round. And she talked a little bit about the highs and the lows of both getting the praise for getting a huge upset and then what she thinks life is going to be like after losing in terms of what she has to deal with on social media. You know, everybody blowing it up and making you the the story of the tournament. Obviously, we appreciate the <laughs> the spotlight in those moments, but then, you know, you have today and I'm going to have 9 million death threats and whatnot. So it's, it's very much polarizing um, one extreme to the other very quickly. Yeah, not good. Not good. Uh, she went on to say that, uh, you know, she also got negative stuff calling her a fat ass and stuff like that. I'm like, my God, can we all dial it down just a little bit? So, I mean, social media can be really gross, but realize there are human beings on the other side of this reading the stuff you send to them. Look, it's really easy to sit behind a keyboard. Just if you only apply the standard of, would you walk up to that person and say it? Right. Especially when it comes to professional athletes. People that you don't know, people you have no connection to, would you say it to them in the middle of the street? No, you wouldn't say that, Shelby Rogers. And look, 9 million death threats is obviously an exaggeration. But you know what? There was a guy who was uh, convicted in Florida. We called him Parley Pats. Not all that long ago, this guy who was pimping himself as a great sports better who also when he was losing bets was going out there on social media and threatening to kill baseball players and their families and ultimately was convicted for it so not only is it a stupid idea but it might cost you too 
number four. All right, Candy, we've been talking about overreacting, getting some impressions from week one of college football. Uh, give me your impression of what happened with some of the FCS Pac-12 meetings and Mountain West Conference Pac-12 meetings. You know, if I were the leadership of the Pac-12, such as it is, Steve, uh, I would be trying to get whatever paperwork needs to be done for this scheduling alliance, the alliance. whatever it is that I got to get lined up with the ACC and the Big Ten. I I am right now sending couriers, carrier pigeons, as many people as I can to get all those people signed as quickly as possible. I want the papers done because if anybody saw what happened to the Pac-12 as a whole this past week, it was an embarrassment. It was an absolute embarrassment, and we're not going to overreact to one team. Fine. Washington lost at home to Montana. But how about Nick Rolovich, who probably has placed himself on a hotter seat than anybody in the country with his vaccine stance at Washington State, and beyond that, his treatment of players that has gotten him called out by those players, losing at home to what we think is probably a bottom half of the Mountain West Utah State team. It doesn't get much prettier from there. Oregon could easily have lost to Fresno State. Jake Hayner had a pretty decent game for the Bulldogs, and Oregon needed two late scores to pull that thing out. So, yeah, we talked earlier about the fact that UCLA got probably the biggest win of the week. Uh, USC certainly looked the part of the conference favorite that they're the betting favorite for. But right now, elsewhere in the Pac-12, you have to feel like this is a horrendous start to the season, and... Again, it makes me go back and say, if you're going to do this scheduling alliance, if you're the other two conferences in this, if you're the Big Ten, you're the ACC, I know why you didn't want the Big 12, but how is it that you're looking at the Pac-12 and thinking that's an improvement? I don't see it. Fresno and Utah State are on the UNLV schedule. Last week, I said that both were games where the Rebels could compete, uh, if not win against Utah State. Ooh, Fresno's kind of look good. Even in losing to Oregon physically, uh, they're up to snuff. Are you now worried even more that UNLV is going to have more games that they don't have a chance to win? You, sir, can go ahead and give me that four that you wanted to put as the uh, UNLV win total. You, you Name the juice, name the price. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm worried because I think what it shows you is that while you had two great Mountain West teams, I should say middling Mountain West teams going out and giving great performances last week, yeah, UNLV losing at home to an FCS team, and more importantly, to an FCS team to which it was an underdog. And so, yeah, Steve, if you were targeting those games as games that UNLV could win, I think you have to be seriously worried about the prospect of a one or maybe two win season for the Rebels. Number three, power to the workers. Very serious issue here. But he's back in labor. What is going on right now? in San Francisco at the Giants Park with safety and the concession workers. So they're unionized, right? These are union concession workers who are represented, and their representation is doing something very similar to what we saw at the beginning of the pandemic last year that the biggest unions, the culinary union in Las Vegas, was doing for its workers and saying, are you doing enough to protect our workers from COVID? Because a large handful of uh, concession workers in San Francisco at Oracle Park have contracted COVID over the last couple of weeks and they're threatening to go on strike. The concession workers are saying, you know what? 
you're not making it safe for us to be in this environment. And I'll tell you what, I've spent some time in California recently. We have stronger COVID policies going on right here in Nevada right now than California does. There's no universal masking required in California. And we have that here in Las Vegas. And so they're threatening to go on strike. They were able to put it off to finish out the Dodgers series this weekend because that certainly would have been a disaster with a full house in San Francisco. But it's the same reason that I said right from the start that Mark Davis requiring vaccines of fans for Allegiant Stadium is not just about the fans. It's not just about the public health of the 65,000 people going in there to watch the game. It's about the workers. It's about the workers and keeping them safe. It's about not making security people play mask police. It's about creating the safest environment for everybody who goes into the stadium, especially the people who need to go in there to earn a living. Number two. Raiders coach John Gruden had a long Q&A that was in the RJ. I know you noticed a couple of things out of it. Uh, We'll get to uh, his point about not feeling pressure. Uh, He said uh, Mark Davis will make the decision ultimately if he's doing a good job or not. Uh, The other thing he'd like to see is a lot more people getting behind Henry Ruggs and a lot more people dropping pro football focus. What's going on here? He's uh, he's got it out for PFF trying to back his guy Ruggs. Second consecutive year that we have now heard John Gruden specifically (laughs) call out pro football focus in an interview. You know, for a guy who claims to not care about any outside perceptions, John Gruden sure cares a lot about a bunch of football nerds with propeller hats. And this year, he's talking about the fact that pro football focus is the one pointing out that Henry Ruggs only had 50 catches last year. Well, no, that's not exactly what they've been pointing out. They've been pointing out that he didn't grade out that well on all of the routes he ran leading to the 50 catches and otherwise, but that's immaterial. He's saying that if you go and compare Henry Ruggs to Cliff Branch, and let me just put a a comma in there. We're going to have to see a little bit more of Henry Ruggs before we put him in the same sentence as Cliff Branch. But if you're going to go out and compare to Cliff Branch, who Gruden says was a guy who helped take the top off the defense for guys like Bolitnikoff, then he says that pro football focus doesn't measure the impact that a guy like Henry Ruggs has on other players. Well, in fact, that's actually exactly what they're there to do. They're isolating the performance of the player, and they're saying, okay, take all the noise of everything else out. How did that player perform, and what did that mean to that player's team? So I don't get it. What is it about analytics that John Gruden is so upset at? What is it that bothers him so much about pro football focus? I I get that some people think that it's about a bunch of computer nerds. Okay, you're entitled to your perspective. What I don't get is that if you're just talking about using data to be more effective— You as the Raiders are swimming against the stream of the rest of the league. This is the way that the league is going. They're using this data to make themselves better week in and week out. So if the Raiders want to do something different, like we talked about with Greg Beecham earlier, the Rams are doing something different with how they treat the salary cap and how they treat the draft. But you know what? They're winning. This is a team that's been competitive year in and year out with that front office and that head coach. And you can't say that about the 19 and 29 record that John Gruden has put together. You want to swim against the stream, you go ahead and do it. You better have some damn results to show for it. And so far, the Raiders don't. Number one. Well, John Gruden tells the RJ he's not feeling any pressure. Uh, In the end, Mark Davis is going to let me know if it's good enough or not. And I know what's good. And what isn't. I'm 58 uh, 58 years old now, and I'm not working any less than 
I did when I was 38, so I'm doing the best I can. I'm proud of the results we've gotten, but also realistic. I know what's at stake, but I'm not going to worry about it. What do you think of that from John Gruden? Well, John Gruden says he he knows what he has. He knows what he has here in Vegas. He knows what he has on his hand, which is a Super Bowl ring. He knows what he has in his wallet, which is $10 million a year from Mark Davis, guaranteed for the next seven years, plus the promise of going able to go back and make 6 or $7 million a year on TV if he ever gets fired here in Las Vegas. So John Gruden has two things that allows him to say that. He has FU money, and he's got a championship. And so for him to get up there and say he doesn't feel pressure, I get it. Pretty standard athlete answer to talk about the idea of pressure. But the beginning of that response in which he goes cutesy. I feel pressure when I'm standing over a three-foot putt. I feel pressure that someone's going to put me on YouTube when I'm dancing with my wife. People pay good money to watch this team. I don't think that's the crap they want to hear. There's some some Chucky-isms that I think everybody's fine with, but the idea of I don't feel pressure to win after 19 wins in three seasons, come on, man. Come on. At least play the part that far. At least play the part of, you know what? I understand how the fans feel. I understand they want a winner. I understand that they're frustrated. I understand that they had to watch a losing season not being able to be in the stadium last year. But the disconnect for Gruden to the fans is that he has two things they don't, a ring and money that he doesn't have to care about. 364-1100, giveaway time, 364-1100. We'll do caller 11. We'll have more on this Gruden interview. We'll see what the follow-up was to Gruden's answer there uh, in the RJ. I'm curious on that. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to read it, we'll uh, send it out on Twitter. But giveaway right now, caller 11, 364-1100. At Allegiant, a couple of weeks from now, Iowa State is in town. Uh, they're bringing a ton of fans ton of fans. This thing's going to probably push towards thirty-five or 40,000 in the building. Uh, we've got a four-pack. 364-1100, 364-1100. It's the 18th, Saturday, September 18th. UNLV hosting Iowa State. Call our 11, 364-1100. Grab your tickets right now at UNLVtickets.com. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Every down back, you know, I can block, I can run the ball, I can catch the ball. Um, you know, I'll play special teams. You know, anything you need me to do, I can do. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. New Raiders running back, Peyton Barber. Talk about what he brings to the Raiders. We're going to talk some Chiefs as we continue to count the teams down around the NFL according to our rankings. 32 up to number one. Number two today, Chiefs, 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 Chiefs. So that's coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, Running back news around the National Football League. Latavius Murray out with the Saints, so he's free to sign anywhere. A lot of people were linking him to the Ravens candy, but... They're adding Le'Veon Bell. What do you think that's going to do for him? Does he have anything left? I mean, they're signing him to the practice squad in the first place, so they obviously don't have a ton of confidence. And I think I would bounce that right back to you as a Jets fan who got to watch the Le'Veon Bell experience after that big free agent contract. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that there's a lot left to offer there. We saw him in Kansas City last year, and 
even in a spot where I think he had an opportunity in KC, Andy Reid really didn't use him. No, he didn't. And then Bell, during the offseason, was trying to get at Andy Reid, and it's like, dude, do you want to play in the NFL again? Seriously? You're going to you're gonna rip on Andy Reid? Cut it out. So, But, you know, if any organization can get something out of him, I think it's it's the Ravens and that coaching staff, so it might be worth the risk. Uh, yeah, following up on, on John Gruden and saying that he doesn't feel any pressure, I'm not sure why he said that, uh, but you brought the point. He's comfortable saying that because he knows that he's got at least this year and next year, and then if it doesn't work out, he's not going to get fired. He'll walk, um, and he's he's got something to fall back on because they'll welcome him back in TV. I just I don't know that it's something you say, and as you said, uh, you do have paying customers who do have expectations of you making the playoffs and, and you know finally turning the corner here. They've been out to decent starts the last couple of years and then fell apart down the stretch. So we think they made necessary changes on defense in terms of leadership and personnel, but there are some things with John Gruden's coaching, uh, like late-game situations, like you know managing uh, third and fourth down plays, uh, kicking long field goals in a division where, you know, points are at a premium. Uh, I hope he does feel a little bit pressure to change a little bit in terms of his aggressiveness. Yeah, I mean, we have seen that it's not actually the offensive play calling that is what John Gruden is known for that's been a problem for the Raiders. He's schemed the plays up pretty well. Yeah. But you mentioned not only the long field goals, but the short field goals. No team kicked more field goals inside the 10-yard line last year than the Raiders. And those are opportunities that this team has to cash in for seven points uh, with absolutely without question. Let me ask you a question about something you just said there, that, that Gruden would walk. Would he walk with a buyout? Because I don't think otherwise he's walking away from the $50, 60000000 million that Mark Davis would owe him. I don't think there's any way John Gruden's hitting that money back. He signed a 10-year, $100 million contract, and I would expect that he wants every dollar of that. I think it depends on how these two years go. I mean, if it's I was trying to add up the seventeen games, it gets very difficult, Candy, with math now. Uh, if if they're a you know if they're a twelve and twenty two team over the next couple of years, then yeah, I think he would probably look himself in the mirror and go, "All right, you know what, this just isn't working. It's time to get out." But do you think he'd stick around even after five years if he, if he puts up you know two more subpar seasons? What I'm saying is. Whether he wants to be here or not, if someone says to me, you can leave of your own accord and get nothing, right. or I can fire you and you can get $50 million, I think my reputation can probably take that hit for 50 mil. Touche. All right, coming back, we're going to talk to Mackenzie Nelson, uh, covers the Chiefs on TV in the Kansas City area, and she'll tell us uh, it's a different mood around the Chiefs. Although, you know what? Hey, they should feel some pressure because this team is freaking awesome. They've got... One of the best players, if not the best player in the NFL. So we'll find out from uh, McKenzie what the mood is around Chiefs camp going into the season. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. Uh, most definitely, we're all excited to play football. That's what we do. Um, anytime we get a... Uh, an opportunity to show what we can do. That's we're all for it. Now back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Very chill 
Corey Littleton. We were just talking about the Raiders and some pressure on the Raiders to turn the corner, make a run at the playoffs, not fall short. They've got a coach under a 10-year contract. We put up $750 million plus what we're going to pay for the roads for the stadium. You know, the standard's been set here in Las Vegas by the Vegas Golden Knights who came right out of the gates and have been a, a winning franchise. Uh, it's time for the Raiders to make the playoffs. The mood's a little different in Chiefs land where uh, I guess they can be patient, but uh, when they are impatient, it's about winning a title, and last year didn't go the way they wanted it to in the Super Bowl, and Mackenzie Nelson covers the Chiefs uh, in Kansas City. Mackenzie's up with uh, Candy Cofield. What's going on? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Now, are you going to come in and bash the Raiders because the fans here can't take that? Take it easy on us, please. <laughs> hey, I won't. I'll be, I'll be very nice, but, you know, Chiefs Kingdom, Raider haters, they're, they're strong here. Yeah. We know, we know. We had a, we had a uh, talk show host come on and say that the Raiders were essentially year to year a booger that the Chiefs had to flick off their hand. I was like, okay, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a little too much, my friend. That guy's been banned like from that. the show. That we're ver- we're very delicate here. You like that? Uh, all right, let's talk about some of the Chiefs' uh, off season work and some of the issues out of the Super Bowl. First of all, uh, what's going on now with the offensive line? Uh, they they. They put a new line together in some ways with high-priced dudes and then also tried to bring in Chris Long. So where are you right now on the offensive line? Okay, well, I really like the offensive line. Okay, so we know that last season uh, we brought back, you know, almost all of our starters. This year it's like a completely different, you know, roster. In the offensive line we've got Creed Humphrey, we've got Trey Smith, Smith, Lucas Niang. Those are all our rookies. We brought in Orlando Brown. I I mean, I think it's going to be just – incredibly difficult to get Patrick Mahomes, which is great for us. Uh, but it's looking good. And, and seeing them in training camp and in these preseason games, I think they're looking really, really good. All right. We've in- talked to – uh, oh, there you go. Uh, we've talked to our friend uh, Seren Petro in Kansas City, and he's <laughs> higher on the defense, I think, than uh, than some have been, saying he thinks that the defense is going to be much improved for Kansas City – this year, what is the word around the Chiefs on the D? Is he? Seren, I'm going to have to have a chat with him. I don't know. I'm more excited about the offense. And with the defense, we've got Chris Jones moving positions. I know he'll play a little bit. You know, he'll just kind of play all over, which will be great. And then the news about Tyron Matthew, we're hopeful he's going to be able to play this weekend. Um, and then Willie Gay Jr., he's injured. So I'm not as high on our defense as I am our offense. So uh, I'm not sure what Seren was thinking oh, okay. when you chatted with him. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, oh shots fired. Shots fired. We're going we're gonna to start a local media war in Kansas City. Clearly, it's going down. I love Seren. I love Seren. But I, I don't know. I can't say I'm as um, optimistic or, or excited for the, the Chiefs defense. So maybe just call me a hater. <laughs> All right. You are a hater. We've got that out of the way. Um, so... Let's uh let's let's get to some things that I think people are universally feeling good about with the Chiefs, and that is the receiving core with Kelsey, with Tyreek Hill. Everybody knows about those two. What are the Chiefs excited about beyond that? Who are they thinking is going to be able to be that third option in the offense? Maybe it's Clyde Edwards Hilaire out of the backfield. I don't know, but uh, who are they expecting to be the contributors beyond the guys that we all know about? So I think everyone loves Clyde and they're hopeful that he just comes out and has a great season. But the wide receiver position has actually been something that people have been talking about a lot here because McCole Hardman, you know, him having to step up after we lost Sammy Watkins, 
I'm, in my opinion, he's kind of like the jet sweep guy, and I don't know if he can really be that number two. Uh, Byron Pringle, he's been doing really well in these preseason games, and he's you know just been clutch whenever he gets into a game. But I don't, I don't know who that you know next exciting player is going to be. I, I think we're still trying to figure that out here in Kansas City. But um, you know, definitely Clyde. Our running backs are great. People are excited to to even see McKinnon out there. Um, so I mean, you don't know. The, the, the real talk is: Is McCole Hartman going to be able to step up and be that number two receiver behind Tyreek Hill? Yeah, I thought it was weird. Uh, Hartman made a comment during the off season that he hadn't really had time to meet up with Patrick Mahomes to to throw a little bit with him to work out. And I oh, I know that yeah the, the reaction out is like wait you didn't have the time what's going on here you make the time to go meet up with Patrick Mahomes let's go exactly if Patrick Mahomes wants to throw you you go you go when <laughs> Patrick Mahomes says let's go yes. but you would think McCole Hardman he would be uh, you know doing those extra things because with Sammy Watkins gone we really need him to you know step up and fill that role and I, I think there's just a lot of um, uncertainty if that's going to be able to happen we're hopeful but we don't know. What's the latest with uh, Patrick Mahomes and the ladies in his life who got kind of vocal last year at times? Mom and uh, fiance <laughs> slash future wife, current wife, baby mama. Is that insulting the baby hey. mama part? I apologize. First of all, the baby Sterling is Sheena adorable. We can all agree she's adorable. We see pictures of her all over social media. Brittany yeah. and Patrick, they are not married yet. They are engaged. I believe they are getting married sometime Next year, I could be wrong. I, I have no sources on that. I'm sorry, but this is a, this is a long next year. This is a so long engagement. Is this a long engagement? Isn't it? Well, I don't. I I mean, I'm not engaged, so I don't know what's like okay. normal time frame. But like, he can't get married during this season, right? Like, what is he going to do? Get married during the bye week? That's a good point. You're also <laughs> you're also talking to someone who's been dating someone for like nine and three quarter years. So I'm I'm not sure that I need to get on someone for not three getting quarter. Ma- I don't know. I we can't keep track. Anytime anyone asks us when we got together, you know, we're both like. Eh. And you've been you've been dating. You haven't proposed yet. Uh, well, we we've lived together for like eight and a half of those years. So we're we're pretty much uh, that's pretty much it, Mackenzie. I think we're 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 we're, we're, we're together. I love it. I love it. But no, I, I don't really have any tea to spill on Patrick Mahomes and Brittany. Um, she has calmed down a bit. I think being a mom, I don't know um, if you'll see the, the crazy Instagram stories from, you know, the games and things like that. Thank and, God. Uh, mom is still very vocal yes. on Twitter yes. if you follow her um, on social media. But, you know, that, that's just uh, that's just them. So you got to you got to love it or hate it. And Chief Kingdom, they just embrace it. Oh, they have to. Uh, I wasn't paying attention <laughs> super close to the. Per- did you did you say Patrick every time you mentioned his name, or did you slip and say Pat? No, Patrick. You cannot okay. call him Pat. I he know. has said that time and time again. No, Pat. It's Patrick. Okay. He's going right. to yell at you if you ever call him that. Are you uh, Are you going on any of the road trips, or are you just uh, doing the home games? Hey, so I will be in Vegas. Yes. For the game. So we could we could do this in person. We'll have to meet in person and do a little like pregame or something like that. Yes. It'll be very, very exciting. Is that the best road trip you're going to go on or is there some other city that you're going to hit where you're uh, you're fired up for? I'm not sure uh, where else I'll be traveling yet. We're trying to get that all squared away now. But when I was told Vegas, I was so excited because I cannot wait to see the stadium. Uh, so I'm just really excited. And like, who doesn't love Vegas? So Exactly. You know, I, can't, I can't complain, but hopefully I'll, I'll be on the road for a few other games too. But I, I think Vegas is, is the top for me because I just am really excited to see that 
that nice new stadium you guys got there. Cities that you don't want to go to. Let's get you in a little trouble here. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Philly, Cincinnati, Baltimore. Any of those three? Probably Philly. I heard people are mean out there. Uh, I think that's a little overplayed. People in the Northeast aren't mean. They're aggro. And they don't like losing, but they're not they're not mean people. So Okay, not mean. If, I, if they're not mean and, and you know, it's a fun atmosphere, then I, I would be down to go. Yeah, I like I like the chili in Cincinnati, but beyond that, it, it's there's not a whole lot there. Oh bro, you're you on like an island the there. Chili in Cincinnati. I thought yeah, I feel like you're on your own because I, I have, I, we have some people at our station from Cincinnati who talk about the chili yeah. and I heard it's weird. Uh, it is candy. We attest to the fact that it is weird. I mean, look, here's the thing. If the way to make your chili good is to put it on spaghetti, I got doubts. (laughs) That is so odd. So odd. (laughs) Well, I love it. When you come out here, you can try some of our barbecue, and maybe you can compare to Kansas City, because we know how territorial everyone in KC gets about the barbecue. Yeah, do you guys want me to bring you some real barbecue from Kansas City? Because I'm not sure what you're actually eating out there, but it's probably not barbecue. Well. All right. Well, that's that's not a good. We'll probably do a couple of spots this year. That's not really a good way to kick things off. Like taking Hater. shots at our, our hater, uh, our barbecue. Hey, shooter. when <laughs> if the Raiders beat the Chiefs, I will ship you some um, Kansas City barbecue. You guys. Oh my God! I you know here's the thing. Uh, in both games, are going to be at least the uh, Raiders will be at least a probably a touchdown dog or more. I'm not sure what kind of what kind of bet do we make, Candy? Where uh, we're not paying through the freaking nose for two games. Right? I, I I don't know here. Like what what could we possibly uh, what could we possibly owe in in return? Like Mackenzie, is there any Vegas thing that you're super excited about? Like what do we have to foot from Vegas to make it worthwhile for you? I don't know. Like what's the go to? What's the favorite thing in Vegas? Like what is Vegas known for other than like going to Vegas to you know party and stuff? Like is there a food or an item? I don't know. <laughs> yes, you send us a hundred dollars worth of barbecue. And we'll send you a 99-cent jumbo shrimp cocktail. That's what we're known for. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> okay. I love it. Oh, my goodness. Now, maybe, you know, when I'm out there in Vegas, we'll have to, we'll have to uh, go gamble or do something fun out there. We could do that. We're good at that. We don't win, but we're good at that. All right. Uh, we, we close at every spot, Mackenzie. We're talking to Mackenzie Nelson. She covers the Chiefs uh, in Kansas City as she's on uh, – KSHB, uh, Channel 41, NBC affiliate. Um, we close out every one of these spots by talking about the betting numbers. How many games do you think the Chiefs are going to win this year? Now there's a 17-game regular season. How many games do you think they're going to win? Is it too optimistic to say they're not? going to lose any game. Wow. You can um, actually you can actually bet that too. We'll find a number on that. You think you actually think they're gonna go unbeaten? Um uh, that's so hard to do. I think they'll lose one game, but okay. I, I just I, I'm really optimistic about this season and I think we'll see them in the Super Bowl and I think they're only gonna lose one game. I just haven't decided who it's going to be to. Wow. Sixteen and one. Quite a bold prediction. <laughs> Candy, do you just write do you, it down, guys? Yes. Write it down. Mackenzie Nelson says sixteen. I just want another hundred dollars of barbecue if she's wrong. Oh, is that the bet? Is that now? Now we're, we're going to bet on that one. I think she would have. 
reconsider the uh, the win total bet if it was another hundred dollars of the barbecue. So. Yeah, it might go like fifteen and two. Okay, well, I really knocked it down a bunch. Hey, we appreciate you joining us for a couple minutes, and yeah, let's uh, let's definitely uh, trade info. We have info already, but uh, we'll trade it for uh, the trip here, and we're gonna have a bunch of Kansas City folks out here, so we're looking forward to you guys coming out to Vegas. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on, and I will see you in Vegas. All right. Thanks a lot. There she is, Mackenzie Nelson. 16 and 1. She's crazy. What do you think? Wait, I'm a hater now? No, she's a Raider hater. She's a Raider hater. hater. She and actually, more importantly, she's a she's a Petro hater. I didn't think there were that many of those out there. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. She got like real sour. The whole the whole conversation was like uplifting, happy. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Petro and she just made a noise. Nope. She just she just like, oh, he thinks that? Yeah, no. <laughs> Quite the impression there. Good job. Thank Ma- you. Man of a thousand you. voices, uh, yeah, both I'm, male and female. Thank you. I'm I'm pretty much Frank Caliendo. <laughs> eh, not quite. All right, grab bags on the way. Ah, uh, man, we got to close out with a sad note. Yeah, we do. Gee, damn it! Great actor passed away, and uh, we'll get into some of his great roles and performances. The show never ends. Watch the Cofield and Company Late Night Pod tonight at 9 o'clock on YouTube or at Steve Cofield on Twitter. Cofield and Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Pick your hand in there, Dave. Ah, what a freaking bummer. Michael K. Williams passed away, 54 years old. Candy, tell the audience who he was. Uh, Michael K. Williams was one of the better actors of his generation. If you don't immediately know the name, then you absolutely know Omar Little from The Wire. Yep. Also played uh, Chalky White in Boardwalk Empire. Really, really good actor and uh, sad to, to see him pass away. Back in the bag. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Man, COVID is hitting uh, Cedric Sabalos pretty badly. Uh, he's been in what the ICU for like ten days. The former NBA player, and to the point where I think I think he was kind of sending out some final messages, you know, just in case. Um, not good, man. Not good. By the way, Oscar De La Hoya didn't look very good the other day either. Uh, no, he didn't. And I will tell you, Cofield, I have some folks who are close to me who work in healthcare, and they've said, look. Of the folks who are showing up in the hospital who look like that, who've looked like Seth Zabalos, who've looked like Oscar De La Hoya, uh, those who are on social media who'd like to drag me for these things, come get me because they're all unvaccinated. Uh, the vaccinated folks who uh, who rarely end up to that point in the hospital are not nearly as bad. So prayers up for Seth Zabalos. If you guys didn't have a chance to watch said the guy who did the slam dunk contest blindfolded, Go watch said Sabalos. I'm going to sound like the old guy. He's going to say, old man, you kids, you don't know. You don't know what Cedric Sabalos was like. Do your homework, punks. Look at my mother's face place. Ari sent over a story that he said was infuriating. I don't know, man. This one's a mixed bag for me. TV reporter trying to do a live shot. After Clemson and Georgia, did you watch this video, Candy? Ari sent it, so no. Yeah, uh, Lindsey, I'm gonna say go. I don't know. Uh, G O U H. 
uh, G-O, wait, what? G-O-U-G-H, there it is. Um, she started rolling video on all the obnoxious fans who kept coming up to her, bumping into her, trying to get their faces on camera. Uh, all right, do we have the audio? Hello. Please don't touch me. You found this infuriating, Ari? Uh, you have to see it. A lot of it was like guys all, a lot of guys and like all interpersonal space. I get that they're on the concourse and stuff. I've I've been in there too with Thomas and Mac and stuff, but like it was a little bit, it was a little aggressive. For and again, I'm I'm speaking. It totally was. Yeah. But that's what fans are. You're setting up to do a live shot as people are exiting a game with sixty-five thousand people there. I mean, you're going into the freaking war zone. So, so and by, what? By the way. The one thing that's distressing to me is she's not even wearing a mask. Like, I, I would never, there's no way I'm in that environment without wearing a mask. So, I, I don't know. This is weird. It's almost like she she did this on purpose. I don't know. But it's just, it's, listen, fans shouldn't act like animals. They, they should not be jumping up and trying to get on camera. If you have a microphone, Candy, you know this, right? And a camera. And a camera. It, it's It's a magnet. People are going to come up on you. Yeah, I just, real quick, I just, it doesn't matter to me. Like, there's still a space, there's still boundaries that exist, especially with men and women. And that was my only gripe is like, I get it. I get all the energy. Everybody's excited. But there was a lot of times where right. I was like, dude, back I can, off. Like, I can buy that. That's all. The mask I, thing is ridiculous. I can buy that. Candy on, uh, on doing those live shots. Go ahead. No, and look, you're absolutely right. I cannot tell you the amount of times that I've been talking on a broadcast and with my arms shooing people away who are trying to say dumb things in the microphone where Ari's right is to say if she's saying don't touch me then don't friggin touch her you don't have the right to touch her no matter what is going on beyond that if you're the station and you're sending her out to do this live shot and you're going to have her in the midst of the crowd right. then send someone out to run some damn crowd control don't put her in that situation in the first place apparently that was her first live hit too Oh, really? Yeah, so that's an interesting start. All right. Well, we'll see what happens if uh, any of the aggressive folks get in trouble. Uh, oftentimes, the Internet will chase them down and get them. Stick your hand in there, Dave. So those road trips, I was just uh, mentioning to Mackenzie Nelson, a reporter out of Kansas City. What's your reaction to her saying she didn't want to go to Philly because they're mean? <laughs> I liked how you stuck up for our Northeast brethren. I, I like how you said, you know what? We're we're not angry. We're not mean. Yeah. We just know you're wrong. And, <laughs> there you go. And we just have a way of telling you that. No, I mean, it, it, is a, it is a poor perception. And the thing is, if I'm choosing among all those cities and where I want to go, I mean, let's be honest here. This can come down to food. Yep. And if I can go and get myself various forms of cheesesteak in philly if i can go in baltimore and i once actually did this and eat some form of crab five consecutive days um <laughs> yeah then cincinnati's awesome. kind of out on the island it's, I, it's I, tough am, am i am i missing what the food product that ohio is famous for should be like i don't really know what i should be excited about about that cincinnati trip you, maybe you can tell me well like i said the chili the Skyline Chili, which other places have it too. I like it, but, you know, people think it's junk food. It's crap. Uh, the Chiefs' road schedule includes trips to Denver, Cincy, San Diego, 
here in Vegas, of course, we talked about uh, her making the trip out to Vegas. Nash, Vegas, which is a fun city. D.C., Philly. Did I miss one? And Baltimore. Yeah, you mentioned Baltimore. So, yeah, my, my thing on the, you know, it's funny. I don't know why it's funny. It's just an observation. But uh, you and I are both from the Northeast. I just went back there for a week. And I hadn't been back in a while. And, yeah, it just, it is, it's just, a, it's so much more aggressive than here. And everyone has something to say. Like, we're, we're big bar hoppers and bar dwellers when we go on vacation. And people are incredibly chatty, which is not a bad thing. You know, they're just, like I said, they're just more aggro. No. Every, everything, and because it's crowded, everything is just kind of like on edge. And like, I even noticed with my, my parents, my dad's a laid back guy, but my mother's a lot like me. And she's just, it's just like, all the time, like, Everyone calm down, okay? And then I'm yelling at him, and then I'm getting all aggro. Well, listen, I hope the Chiefs enjoy that uh, that trip to San Diego. Um, I hope there's a football I team down there San that play. I did it, San Diego. I did it again. It's been a couple of years. You know what? The beautiful part, we start the show that way, yep, and we finish yep, the show yep, that yep, way. Yep. It's perfect. You book it. Yeah, but thing. here's the thing. There's a little excuse for saying San Diego instead of L.A. for the Chargers. For anyone who went to Arizona State and Arizona, me saying Arizona State the Wildcats is inexcusable. That was good start to the week. We got a big week coming up. Thanks, Candy. Good job. Check out the archives of the show at lvsportsnetwork.com.